Hashtags, a Gartner Marketing and Communications podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Dorian Kundik. Welcome to Hashtags, the Gartner Marketing and Communications podcast, where I sit down with some of our best thinkers to share practical tips and strategic insights to help you stay ahead of the curve and add value to your organization. Our topic for discussion today, rethinking your loyalty program. In 2022, consumers belong to an average of 16.6 loyalty programs. This staggering number has led some brands to look for more creative ways to differentiate their programs compared to the traditional transactional earn and burn loyalty programs that are commonly used by consumers. My guest for today is Hallie Stern, Gartner's leading expert on customer understanding and loyalty programs. Hallie, I'd love for you to just say hello and introduce yourself for a moment. Thanks for having me today, Dorian. I'm very excited to be here. I'm Hallie. I am one of the analysts here at Gartner covering um, customer understanding and loyalty programs. A lot of what I work on with our clients is helping them better understand their customers and use customer insights to develop more effective loyalty programs. Looking at this data on loyalty programs that consumers belong to, about 17 programs on average, I'm guessing that starts to dilute how effective these loyalty programs even are for brands, right? And and in fact, you're seeing a shift in how brands are thinking about these programs. Tell me what you're seeing here. It is a lot. It is a lot. And I think that you and I could probably both agree that there are no shortage of loyalty programs that we could come in contact with on a daily basis. Um, We might use a loyalty program to fill up our tank of gas, to get a cup of coffee, to buy a gift for a friend. Um, There's no shortage of loyalty programs that we interact with on a daily basis. And we're probably kind of numb to some of the benefits that they offer, considering that a lot of loyalty programs do look similar to each other. It's not so much that it dilutes the effectiveness of the program. It more so just meets expectations rather than exceeding customer expectations. A lot of our clients are trying to find ways to have their programs stand out from their competition and from what's typically in the market and find new ways to connect with customers in a deeper, more meaningful way than traditional loyalty programs allow you to. Um, We actually have some new data that came in in 2023 from our Gartner's Consumer and Culture Survey that we recently ran where a lot of consumers told us that it's actually more difficult for brands to keep their loyalty, more difficult than it was in 2022. Um, So this shift, I think, is really telling for how hard it is for our clients and and for brands to really keep up with the demanding needs of customer loyalty. And you've actually coined a great new term for this. Not every day you coin a new term. Experiential (laughs) earning. Uh, Can you just walk me through how experiential earning is different from what a lot of brands are used to? So experiential earning is different in the way that traditionally in a loyalty program, you would have to spend money, make a purchase in order for you to receive a reward, to get discounts, to get points. Experiential earning provides a way for customers to get those discounts, to get those points, to get some sort of benefit by maybe downloading content, sharing a review, um, writing a, a rating on a product or service. So it's just outside of the customer making a purchase, providing them with experiences that allow them to get some sort of benefit. Uh, can you give me an idea of what these different experiences might look like? Sure. So one example that I can give is I had 
been working with a client who allowed our customers or allowed their customers um, to get rewards through checking into locations, participating in virtual trivia nights, and using points that they would get from those experiences to use towards a future purchase. Um, so it's really about connecting with the customer at other touch points of their journey rather than just the purchasing process that allows you to have that more meaningful connection with them and keep your brand top of mind outside of that just one touch point where they're making a purchase. You know, and you'd mentioned we're seeing this on this experiential focus on both sides, right? It's on the experiential earning, but then in terms of the benefits, offering that in terms of experiential benefits. Can you talk a little bit to what you're seeing on the benefits side as well? Yes. So one of the ways that we're telling our clients that they can think about differentiating their programs is by integrating more experiential benefits rather than just transactional benefits into their program. Um, so transactional benefit is something that you and I are probably and all of our listeners are very familiar with. Again, points for dollars spent, discounts, freebies. When we're talking about experiential benefits. This focuses more on things like free and expedited shipping, um, priority service, preferred access, exclusive access. Um, so more about the experiences that you have with the brand versus just getting like a discount or a freebie. You had mentioned that this focus on experiences isn't necessarily something new, right? It's been around for a long time now. Why is it becoming more of a thing right now. You had talked a little bit about differentiation, but what types of dynamics are you seeing that are making this more of an emphasis for brands than it has been in the past? I would say from just the conversations that I have with clients is that a lot of consumers and customers in general are really looking for community and mm. more experiences where they can connect with others in person. Um, I would probably guess that due to the pandemic, when people lost that human connection, it was really difficult for brands to find ways outside of just offering another deal for them to connect with a consumer. Um, we're seeing a lot of brands use experiences now, not just to connect consumers with the brand, but also consumers with each other. Um, there's one large retailer that does this very well, where they have community groups where they would host yoga classes and cooking classes for members of their loyalty program to come in the store and experience some of those events. So they're connecting with each other while also deepening their relationship with the brand. And I think that it's just there's this want to have a deeper human connection outside of just making a purchase. Is there any kind of cost savings aspect to this for the consumers where that is a big benefit to them as well? Well, I think that the cost savings piece gets a little bit tricky because we're not saying here that you should only offer experiences mm. because I say this to clients every single day. You will never have a customer that says, I love paying full price. I absolutely hate discounts. I never <laughs> want a discount. That's just not the case. It's not really how humans work. Um, so we're saying to use these experiences in addition or in a combination of transactional benefits. So you still might want to offer things like redeemable points or discounts, but you might also want to add in that other personal layer of offering an experience. Is there a way to think about kind of the optimal mix of the two? What types of factors would people want to weigh? So I would love to give you the answer, the perfect answer of what that optimal mix is, but the real secret is doing your customer research. Mm. Having a VOC program where you can 
deploy surveys, you can have customer focus groups and panels and ask your customers how they want to be rewarded for their loyalty. So it's not an answer that Gartner can give to any of our clients or that anyone out there will have the answer to. Um, it really depends on what your customers want and expect from you as the brand. So don't set up a call with Hallie to have that conversation, I think is what you're trying to tell. I think many people still will. And I'll just still give the same answer. <laughs> a lot of our clients, I think, typically jump into, well, we see our competition doing this. We should just mimic what they do. And maybe that will work for us. And we just don't see it that way. We love to think that we want to put our customers first here at Gartner. We want to think more about what does the customer need? What are their expectations? And if they are a loyal customer, we want to make sure that we're offering the benefits that they prefer. So I, I want to look at that for just a moment. How are we falling into that trap? I mean, we know better, right? Than to say, look, other people are doing it. Let's try it. With Is that just we don't have time to think about it or we're focusing our budget on other things and so we're trying to take a shortcut? How are we falling into that time-honored trap in terms of just copying others and hoping it works? I think that it's a combination of all the things that you just listed, but I know that my CX analyst colleagues could probably empathize with me that we typically hear that CX and customer understanding is this fluffy thing when we tell our clients that they need to develop personas and journey maps. People know, they probably know, yeah, we have to do that, but it also does take a lot of time. It takes resources. And if it's not done the right way, it's probably not being used effectively to drive results. So I think that typically there needs to be this shift in understanding how CX is so fundamental in a lot of the marketing activities that we do, especially within loyalty programs. Because loyalty programs aren't this you know, cheap little thing that you can just do for a couple dollars. It requires a lot of resources, both monetarily and people resources. And it does require having that foundational understanding of who your target customer is and what they need from you as a brand to reward them for their loyalty. Is that something that you just have to have a chunk of change sitting by to be able to do it? Is there a more affordable way to do it? Um, is it something that will pay off in the long run for a little capital up front? What, how do they think about the cost of this? So it's not going to be an inexpensive venture, um, but the way that we suggest our clients making sure that their investment in developing a loyalty program pays off is starting off small. So with a pilot program mm. um, where it's only offered to a certain amount of customers that they know are advocates, that they know are already loyal, that will give them feedback and make sure that the program is working effectively before launching this on a large scale and making investments into certain mark tags. So we always suggest starting off on that smaller scale before launching this on a larger scale um, and making it available to all customers. Do, do you have any uh, examples of ways to pilot these that you think are really effective? I think the most effective way to pilot these is, again, leading back to my CX tangent, investing in understanding your customers and not just all of your customers, but your highest priority customer groups and understanding what their needs are and getting that right first. Because if you can do that, um, you're more likely to have higher customer acquisition rates with that customer group. It's probably likely that they will be more engaged in the program and you're going to get some sort of ROI from the program when working with your highest priority customer group. 
I recently just had a very interesting conversation with a technology company who launched a pilot program and they created like a customer portal where they invited a select group of customers to join the loyalty program. And in that portal, while customers were engaging with the program, they would have small surveys that would pop up and ask the customer how their experience was, what benefits they would like to see, any features of products in the future that they would want to see. Um, but they also let the customer almost influence the product roadmap. One of the major things and the major benefits, I think, of being a part of that program is they let customers choose what colors of products they would like to see in the future or features, help them maybe even influencing a pricing strategy by getting customer input on what they would pay for a specific product. And I just found it really interesting that they were doing customer research on one hand, but they were also letting the customer have this deeper connection with the brand and feel that they were having influence over their future experiences. You know, this idea of involving them almost in, in product development is really intriguing. Is this a one-off thing you've seen or have you seen more organizations doing this? I'm guessing we, we've done a lot of research at, at Gartner about building our brand and differentiating and building a strong connection. And this idea of creating a catalytic experience for people is something that has come up in the research as being extremely effective. And this sounds like that type of catalytic kind of transforming experience uh, for those customers you're trying to engage. Are, are you seeing this as a fairly widespread or was this really something that you have not seen elsewhere? This was something I have not really seen within a B2C environment. In the B2B space, I am seeing more of our clients at least propose ideas of having like a customer advisory board um, where if they are part of the loyalty program, they can get together with other buying groups or other customers and discuss what they want to see in terms of future product or service development. So I think more in the B2B space, this is becoming more popular just because other our B2B clients tell us that it's also difficult sometimes, depending on their industry, to offer like a traditional loyalty program. Um, like in healthcare and insurance and financial services, it can be difficult to offer a discount or a freebie. Um, so they're leaning more on these experiential benefits. And one of them being influencing a product or a service roadmap is becoming a really popular idea in that space. I just think it's probably more ahead of the curve than the norm right now. You know, you had mentioned that as you have looked through the data and had these conversations with different brands about their, their experiences, um, that there were some pretty clear generational lines being mapped in terms of consumer expectations. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing there. Yeah, something that was really interesting to me, but probably not shocking to you and I and everyone listening, is that we found that Gen Z and millennial groups were more open or more excited about experiential benefits. They preferred them more than other generational groups did, like Gen X and boomers. They were more on the favor of the transactional benefits. Um, so I think that it's just telling that these younger age groups are more open to forming a deeper connection maybe with brands or at least doing things outside of what they traditionally see in a loyalty program by engaging in those experiences. I'm curious, any, hypoth any hypotheses you have on this? Is it, you know, for Gen X, 
I'm old, I'm rich, I don't have to spend time with you because I can just pay the extra. <laughs> or mm-hmm. and, and the younger you are, the more you, the more time you have than money. Uh, or what do you think is behind that? Or is it truly just the way we're wired as different generations at this point? I don't think it's your first point, but I, I thought it was I a am great a, one personally, but that's that's okay. It was. I don't think that's my hypothesis, but you know, I'm a millennial, and I think I can speak for all millennials and and Gen Zs out there that every last one, we, all of us, you know, we spend a lot of time on social media, on digital channels, and we're constantly being served these ads and email campaigns for all these different brands that we're interacting with. And I think that maybe we're just kind of numb to get 10% off by signing up from this text message. And something that might be more intriguing is if a brand that I really loved invited me in person to take part in an event. Um, One example is I love Peloton. That is the brand that I am loyal to. And if Peloton were to say, here's a 20% off coupon, or you could come in the studio and hang out with Cody Rigsby for the day, I know that I would go to the studio and hang out with Cody Rigsby versus maybe my parents who want to have a Peloton and would probably take the 20% off. So that's just one example and a personal example, but I think it's because we're spending so much time on social media and other digital channels that we're just engaged with, with all these different offers that are just solely based in transaction. You know, looping back though to the idea of not abandoning the transactional, I, I'm guessing that the younger generations, as we call you, would still notice a lack of those offers, yes. right? So it's not like like they may not – it's table stakes, I'm guessing, at this point, to be offered a certain level of discount. Am I reading that correctly? You are, but I want to put out this I, – I just want to have a caution, a caution sign on that point is that you want to make sure that your customers – if they do want a transactional program, you don't want to either get rid of those transactional benefits or you don't want to add experiences just to add experiences because maybe table stakes is enough to exceed expectations for certain purchases. If you think about it, you don't interact with every single loyalty program in the same way. Like I just gave the Peloton example that I would want to go in the studio and interact with the brand. There might be other brands that I just don't feel like that's necessary to do. So as a brand, you need to do the research to figure out if we even need to offer experiential benefits in the first place, if this is something that our customers tell us that they want. So it could be table stakes for some brands and other brands, it might just be exactly what the customer needs. You had made a great point to me earlier. Sometimes free shipping is enough. That feels like a motto for something. (laughs) (laughs) Permission to let go. Sometimes free shipping is enough. Uh, As you look across, you have so many conversations about this and, of course, bring this really unique research perspective to it. Um, You've mentioned some of the missteps, right, in terms of maybe not knowing our customers as well as we could or just doing what the competition does. Other thoughts in terms of what works really well and where there are maybe missteps when brands are trying to go this experiential route? I think the biggest misstep besides my whole tangent on understanding your customers is probably on the measurement piece and we don't have to get too deep into it, but some of our clients will tell us, you know, we had X amount of enrollments in our loyalty program last year. That means we're successful. Um, There are research that I've conducted. I don't see that enrollment is really the indicator of a successful program. To me, what I've seen in terms of success is high engagement rates. So just because someone enrolls in your program and interacts with that program once does not mean that you have a successful program. 
if they're consistently purchasing from you, redeeming points, um, they are engaging with content that you post that is only for loyalty program members, they're constantly interacting with the program, that to me indicates success more than just a high enrollment number. Do we sometimes hide behind those enrollment numbers? Probably. Um, I think a lot of people do. I, I think that a lot of people think that just because we have a million people in our loyalty program, that means that we're doing well. But where we start to see that drop off rate um, and maybe like a lack of customer retention is when we're not giving customers in that program the benefits that they want. So we might say, if you enroll in this program, you get 50% off your first order. And some people might be attracted to just take that offer and never interact with the program again. The key is to keep your program and your brand top of mind on a daily basis by letting the customer interact with elements of the brand outside of them just making a purchase. Just because you have such a good perspective on this, um, any types of experiences that you're seeing that tend to be the most popular and then kind of a different look at that any new types of experiences that you're seeing out there just kind of from a voyeuristic perspective for people anything that seems to be the most popular and anything new and interesting on the horizon that you're seeing gain a little bit of momentum i think that the most popular right now is probably early access or personalized offers, mm. um, you know, creating an experience for a customer when they're part of your loyalty program, where you could say, you purchase this, this goes well with this product or this service. Um, we think this will benefit future experiences. Like those personalized offers that look back at your historical data are always helpful. And then early access, I think, is becoming more popular because people want to be the first to get their hands on a new product or service. So those are the two that I see our clients talking about the most. I think on the horizon where we're going to see more, I, I guess more on the retail side, um, people really thinking about experiences is having like in-store events or again, like I talked about community, more community building and using their loyalty program as a way, not just to connect the customer with the brand, but customers with each other. And I just see that community is like this popular word that keeps popping up in some conversations. And I just don't know if really all brands are there to deliver that yet, but I think it's something that it's definitely on the horizon. Can you paint a picture of what that community building looks like? So in my head, when, when I hear these community ideas being thrown out there by our clients, it's typically around education that is maybe not 100% related directly to the product or service, but something that might be adjacent that's complementary. So it doesn't always have to be education on how to use this product that we just sold you, but maybe it's education around the industry that it's being sold in. Um, so one example is I, I had an inquiry with a client that worked in kind of like the, the camping supplies industry. And one of the ideas that we were throwing out there is for them to have events, not for people to come just shop RVs, but also get education on maybe survival skills or when you're in the outdoors, like here's how you make a fire. Here's some fun campfire stories that you could tell. Just thinking about all the experiences that are kind of adjacent to the product, which I just found to be really a, a new way of thinking thinking about things rather than just having an experience for someone to come into like a trade show or an event. You know, you had mentioned something that I thought was such good advice um, in terms of building out these programs successfully. Um, 
can't just be something that marketing is doing or just customer experience is doing. It actually involves bringing a lot more people on board. Tell me about that collaboration and how that makes a big difference when it comes to this experiential focus. So marketing cannot be the only business unit responsible for developing a loyalty program. You want to think about all of the other touch points that a customer has that marketing doesn't own. Um, So you probably want to partner closely with your sales reps if you're especially in the B2B space, making sure that sales reps have the collateral to speak about the loyalty program effectively to customers and prospects. Um, You probably will need some sort of mobile app or marketing technology or update to your website. So IT is a very critical partner that you're going to need to involve in the creation of a loyalty program just to make sure you even have the capabilities to do that. And then probably your finance team who's likely going to be dictating if you do have the budget to invest in new technology, um, make sure that the points that you're offering meet the business goals of your organization and your brand, they will be able to help you to determine what you actually have available in terms of resources. So those are just some of the business units that we typically see needing to be involved with a successful loyalty program. So wondering if this experiential aspect is getting to the point where we're going to have to really focus on differentiating within that space as well? Or is it still where offering uh, experiential earnings or experiential benefits is enough of a differentiator? Or is that becoming a crowded space already? As of right now, I think that this is enough of a differentiator. I don't know what that will look like in the future, because right now there's this slower adoption rate of these benefits because they are a little bit riskier. They're kind of chartering it into unknown territory. So I don't know if a lot of brands are really willing to dip their toe into that right now. Um, I think for right now, we could consider it a differentiator, but I will be very interested to see what the loyalty program market looks like in five years from now. And if experiential benefits are the new transactional, and we need to think of a, a new type of benefit to keep consumers engaged. Final thoughts for people um, as they're thinking about uh, maybe taking this approach for the first time or fleshing out their current menu of experiential benefits. What advice would you put in front of marketers as they're thinking about uh, using this to their advantage? I would probably revisit the point that I've made a couple times throughout this podcast is that you need to truly understand not just all of your customers, but who your highest priority customer groups are, how they prefer to be rewarded, what their needs are, what their expectations are, and really invest in getting to know them before even thinking about what your loyalty program strategy will look like. I think that foundational customer understanding is usually the key to having a successful loyalty program, a successful website, a successful content marketing strategy. Um, It really is the basis for getting these typically expensive type of strategies right. Um, So if I could leave our listeners with any last thought, it would really be that you should be investing in understanding the needs, the wants, the expectations of that highest priority customer group. What can Gartner clients specifically look forward to for support on this over the next few months? So our Gartner clients are always welcome to schedule an inquiry with myself or my wonderful colleague, Brad Jashinsky, who also covers loyalty programs. Even to Um, talk about the optimal mix? 
Probably not. Especially. <laughs> Probably not, maybe. Uh, but we do a lot of different inquiries where we talk about, you know, trends in the space, best practices. We're publishing a couple notes coming up on um, showcasing experiential benefits in, in the B2B and B2C space as well. So we have a lot of really exciting things coming down um, in the next couple of months. And I think that we're hoping to also expand our understanding of the technology landscape as well. So that will be great to have those interesting conversations with clients in the near future. Hallie Stern, thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks to all of you for listening in on this episode. We hope to see you on the next Hashtags podcast. Take care. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.